It's time to tell you what the media isn't telling you about the war between Israel and Hamas. Hey, this is Doc Washburn. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. We push back against the Uniparty and the Deep State and let you into the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 Central. And check out the Medicare Funcast with my friend Brian Coolis. Medicare info if you need it, music memories, and pop culture if you don't, on the Medicare Funcast YouTube channel. All right. There's been a lot of talk recently, a lot of claims that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza. Now, these are lies. The genocide was something that Hamas and their enablers, including a lot of just regular Palestinian citizens, civilians, they're not citizens, Palestine is not a country, but the slaughter, the torture, the murders, the rapes, the kidnapping of October 7th. And the leadership of Hamas has said, hey, guess what? That was just for starters. We're going to do it over and over and over and over and over again. Because, you know, they hate the Jews. Also, Hamas has made it clear. Again, the leadership. That civilian casualties in Gaza do not bother them but actually are quite useful for PR purposes. So, right around Thanksgiving, I saw a YouTube video of Obama-Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, on on the Today Show, being interviewed by Savannah Guthrie. It's like the day before Thanksgiving, uh, the 22nd of November. And I kept that YouTube video open. I kept that tab open on my PC in my studio slash office because I knew I was going to come back to it. Because Jake Sullivan was lying and Savannah Guthrie was like, oh, cool, okay, yeah, definitely. Because again, the mainstream media's job is not to report the news. It is to try to shape what you think about what's going on in the world around you. So imagine my shock and disappointment a few days later when I went back to check out the video to get some audio from it to do a podcast with, and the video had been taken private. So when I began to do the show prep for this podcast, episode 418, December 27th, 2023, I Googled it, Jake Sullivan, Today's Show, Savannah Guthrie. I had to Google several different ways. And I finally found an article from a a far-left rag called motherjones.com, and they linked to 
a place on the NBC News website that actually had saved the interview. Now, the interview was done November 22nd, right about the time that there was a pause in hostilities to try to get some hostages out, you know, trade terrorists in jail in Israel for hostages. And so most of the interview, Savannah Guthrie, to, this is today on NBC, most of the interview, Savannah Guthrie, today's show, NBC, was talking to Jake Sullivan about the whole hostage exchange. You know, Israel got some hostages in exchange for terrorists, jihadists. But right at the end of the interview, Savannah Guthrie asked Jake Sullivan a question that you would expect a journalist to ask. And so here is the question that Savannah Guthrie asked Obama-Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And the pause is also an opportunity to get badly needed humanitarian aid into the Gaza Strip. How do you ensure that it gets to the people who need it and that Hamas doesn't divert it, especially in the case, for example, of fuel? Okay, you got that? The pause is an opportunity to get badly needed humanitarian aid in the civilians of Gaza. But how do you make sure that Hamas doesn't divert this humanitarian aid? National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had about a 30-second answer. Well, one of the things the United States has been doing in parallel to negotiating the hostage deal has been working with the United Nations and humanitarian organizations so that they would be ready for when the pause went into effect, so that we could surge humanitarian assistance. And to your question, we could make sure that the UN, the Red Cross, and other international organizations on the ground would be the ones receiving that assistance and distributing it to innocent civilians rather than letting Hamas take it. And there are mechanisms in place to ensure that that happens. It's a bald-faced lie. There were not then, and there are not now, mechanisms in place to make sure that doesn't happen. That's a bald-faced lie. If you've been paying attention, there has been viral video all over the place showing Hamas terrorists literally jumping onto the aid trucks as soon as they go into Gaza and commandeering them. If you've been paying attention, and, you know, I get it. Unlike me, you have a life. You, you, you're a normal person. You can't be hip deep in this stuff 24-7. So that's what I do. But oddly enough... Civilians in Gaza have been bitterly complaining that Hamas has been diverting the humanitarian aid, including food, and the people in Gaza are hungry. And Hamas is like, well, too bad. Leaders of Hamas have been interviewed. Hey, you know, you've been given billions 
How come you couldn't even build bomb shelters for your people? Why did it all go to tunnels for you to wage war out of? And Hamas is like, hey, that's the UN's job to uh, protect Gaza civilians. That's not our job. Well, now wait a minute. You were the guys that were elected to be the government of Gaza. Now again, what's Jake Sullivan's answer? Would be the ones receiving that assistance. Back it up just a little bit. That the UN, the Red Cross, and other international organizations on the ground would be the ones receiving that assistance and distributing it to innocent civilians rather than letting Hamas take it. And there are mechanisms in place to ensure that that happens. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You have to be able to lie with a straight face and go to bed and sleep like a baby to be a member of the Biden administration. And that's what Jake Sullivan does. There are mechanisms in place. Now, first of all, the Red Cross in Gaza is totally controlled by Hamas, as is UNRWA, UNRWA. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. The United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Palestine refugees in the Near East. It's a UN agency that supports the relief and human development of Palestinian refugees, theoretically. But the people in charge of UNRWA, UNRWA, are actually Hamas jihadists. And Jake Sullivan must know this. The UN, the Red Cross, is not going to do anything to keep Hamas from diverting humanitarian aid. However, guess who doesn't care when Jake Sullivan says that the UN, the Red Cross, and other international organizations on the ground would be the ones receiving that assistance and distributing it to innocent civilians rather than letting Hamas take it. And there are mechanisms in place to ensure that that happens. Okay, Savannah Guthrie disposes of any concern that she had when she asked the question about how do you make sure Hamas doesn't divert things she disposes of any concern she had in less than a second with one word. All right, White House. All right. It was so quick. I tried to stop it after just the one word, and I couldn't get it. All right. Now, remember, I don't care if it's the Today Show on NBC, 60 Minutes on CBS. Good Morning America, or this week on ABC. As I've demonstrated to you over and over and over again, their job is not to objectively report the news. Their job is to prop up the regime. Their job is to, on a regular basis, instill in the minds of their viewers that they should trust the regime 
and keep their minds in neutral. It is a lie to say that U.S. government working with the U.N. and the Red Cross has some kind of mechanism to keep Hamas from diverting the billions of dollars of humanitarian aid flowing into Gaza. But Savannah Guthrie Today Show doesn't care that Jake Sullivan is lying because they're on the same team. I don't know if you remember or not, but about a year ago, George Stephanopoulos, Good Morning America, ABC, interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried, the FTX guy that lost billions of other people's money. And no matter how far, how far-fetched the answer Sam Bankman-Fried had to Stephanopoulos. Stephanopoulos never pushed back, never questioned him, never even suggested the possibility that Sam Bankman-Fried might be lying to him, although he was. Why? Because they're both on the same team. Sam Bankman-Fried was the second biggest donor to Democrat candidates in the last election. So Stephanopoulos tried to make him look like a sympathetic figure to ABC News viewers. Savannah Guthrie does the same thing for the Today Show with um, Jake Sullivan. Lying through his teeth, she couldn't care less. Waves it away with one word. All right. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, an anxious few days, but uh, welcome news for the hostages in some cases. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks there. You get invited to the White House Christmas party for not challenging anything. Now, there is a uh, TV news network in Israel called I-24 News. And they have a broadcast in English. And uh, I think I owe it to you to play you some of what they have been saying. Now, there's a guy named, how do you say his name? Aitan Dangot. Aitan Dangot. And he's um, he's a retired general. I thought I kept the tab open for this guy. Uh, Retired general, because I have several different clips from I-24 News. And he talked specifically about the UNRWA. He talked specifically, for that matter, about the Red Cross. And the fact that they are all in They're all in for Hamas. There's no daylight between 
the UN, the Red Cross, and the mass murderers of Hamas. So let me uh, let me play for you a little bit of what he said over there on the I-24 News in Israel. What's going in Gaza is one show of the murdering organization of Hamas. I mean, using all the medical system, hospitals, local uh, medical uh, assistance to the public as a basis for creating terror, planned terror, hiding terror, sending terrorists from dead places. And if you are now taking all this umbrella of WHO, you are taking UNRWA, you see all the schools is a small basis for terrorism. Missiles inside the classes, missiles outside of the classes, inside the yard. You see so many rifles are hidden there and so it means that UNRWA is on the same level and if you add to it the Red Cross, you will see how proud should be the Secretary General of the United Nations Mr. Godrash, how he is dealing with Israel in a very antisemic way and this is the way that you see for is the situation in Gaza. All this uh, organizations under the umbrella of the United Nations failed to co- cooperate and when one part of organization of Hamas. Yeah, he's a, a retired major general of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. There's, there's no daylight between UNRWA. All their schools were used as bases to launch war against Israel. So see, early on after the October 7th massacre, I think a lot of people were impressed that Biden and some of his spokespeople were saying, hey, Israel has a right to defend itself. You know, They were saying all the right things. But they're not trustworthy. They said the right things as long as they had to say the right things. John Kirby, spokesman for the regime, said a couple of days ago that we didn't leave a lot of military hardware when we uh, bailed out of Afghanistan. Well, we left billions of dollars of military hardware, that Taliban is either using or is sold on the black market. But again, 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 to be a uh, spokesman for the Biden administration, you have to be able to lie with a straight face and, and not break a sweat. And that's what we see over and over again. But wait, there's more. Sarah Martinez, uh, I-24 News, introducing audio of a civilian in Gaza talking to a member of the Israeli military on the phone. 
The IDF has released a recorded phone call between an IDF officer and a Gaza resident, where the resident explains how Hamas controls the Strip and the humanitarian aid brought in for civilians. Now, this Gaza resident also reveals shocking information about UNRWA administration workers in Gaza working as Hamas operatives. Take a look. Now, I would play for you the audio, but unfortunately, it's in Arabic, so that doesn't really help us very much. But I needed to at least play you the setup so you could know the information that is out there. Now, we also have audio from... uh, guy named Yakov Lapin, military strategic affairs analyst and correspondent, uh, the Miriam Institute, Jane's Defense Weekly, which is a huge international periodical about the military and national defense and foreign policy. And he writes for a number of other places. The uh, Miriam Institute is a premier international forum for Israel-focused discussion, dialogue, and debate. And he is uh, Yaakov Lapin is also a, um, an analyst, military analyst for the Jewish News Syndicate. I wish I could play you more of what I've gotten from I-24 News but some of these guys have thicker accents than others, and so I had, I had to make an editorial decision of what would be more understandable because most of our listeners are Americans, um, and sometimes thick, thick foreign accents are difficult. Anyway, um, so coming up, We'll have Yakov Lapin, military analyst at the Miriam Institute and Jewish News Syndicate with the realistic expectation of how long the war may go on. How long Israel's military operation in Gaza may have to go on. So that is coming up as the Doc Washburn Show continues in mere moments. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., 
RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. You want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. All right, so let's take a look at this. Again, Yaakov Lapin, military analyst at the the Miriam Institute, Premier International Forum for Israeli-Focused Discussion, Dialogue, and Debate, and also military analyst at the Jewish News Syndicate on how long we could reasonably expect the war, Israeli military operations in Gaza, to go on. And I think that's, you know, probably the key question right now for uh, the Israeli people and also for the region. Um, Israel's enemies, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, are always involved in long-term thinking in terms of um, their strategy. They're talking about wearing Israel down and betting on the fact that uh, Israel will get impatient and that it will um, operate according to the sort of Western um, instant expectation, instant coffee expectation, if we can call it that. And what the military chiefs here are saying is, 
We need to get rid of those expectations. This is going to be a very long military campaign. Even if it changes stages and downshifts, um, the expectations is that it's going to take many months to reach the main objectives of this war in Gaza. And that's without even talking about what's going to happen in the north, which we still don't know. So the expectation is to use Israel's military resources in a way that they can keep in, uh, fighting this war for many months. Yeah, see, here's the deal. When you're talking about an enemy that has made it clear that no matter what, they have a uh, an unwavering commitment to killing you and everybody else like you, no matter what, they have to be annihilated. And, you know, you, you can say it's genocide all you want. It's war. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, history started yesterday. They don't know anything about World War II. They don't know that the United States dropped a couple of atom bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki to save millions of lives, American and Japanese. They don't know that the Allies, that's us, before that, firebombed Tokyo and firebombed Dresden, Germany. Killed a lot of civilians. Why? Because it's war and you have to break the will of the enemy. <clears throat> now, these idiots insist that you can't kill any Palestinian civilians. Well, excuse me, excuse me, but I'm old enough to remember seeing the video from October 7th of the partially clothed dead body of Shani Luke, the back of a pickup truck, driving through Gaza, and a lot of these innocent civilians celebrating the fact that Hamas had a dead, partially clothed young Jewish woman on the back of this pickup truck and spitting on her body and beating it with boards. So... Sucks to be them. What goes around comes around. I grew up in the southern part of the United States of America. And in some parts of the south, we have a saying, which goes kind of like this. Don't start none, won't be none. 
which is a more polite way of saying what a lot of people have been saying on social media since October 7th, which is um, blank around and find out. And Hamas and the people in Gaza are finding out. They're in the finding out phase right now. I, I, I want to play for you some audio. Oh, and by the way, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you why Hamas does what they do. Because I have seen so many people on social media. The main platform, uh, platform I'm on is Twitter, or they call it X now. It'll always, always be Twitter to me. So many people so horrified by the massacre of October 7th and saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. How could people be gleeful in this savagery, this brutality? How could people be this savage, be this brutal? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. That's coming up in a few minutes. All right, now, um, this guy named Or Yusakar is a spokesman for the, uh, I hope I can say this right, the Habithonistan IDSF, a movement of over 17,000 retired and reserve officers, commanders, and soldiers from all branches of the Israeli Defense Force and Israeli security community. And so we'll see what he has to say about the challenge of the tunnels in Gaza. Tunnels, the underground network, is the major, the major challenge in this war. And to be honest, uh, not only the tunnels inside Gaza, but also the tunnels leading outside of Gaza. Thinking about the day after in Gaza, we have to keep not only the perimeter that is, uh, let's say, one kilometer deep above ground, a perimeter where no civilian, no Gazan is allowed to get anywhere near the, the border with Israel, but also the underground network. We know that these underground networks served as attack uh, tunnels, not just defensive tunnels, but attack tunnels toward Israel, and the smuggling tunnels underneath the Gaza-Egypt border. Um, so I think the more the IDF uh, unravels and discovers these tunnels underneath Gaza, the more the, the, the uh, let's say, the size and magnitude of the challenge is becoming clear. I think Han Yunus is a major focal point where um, um, Sinwar is reported to be surrounded by hostages in tunnels. Um, we don't know if that's true, but these are the reports, they're all conflicting reports, and we don't know where all the hostages are being held. But um, I do think that once the Han Yunus tunnel uh, network is being taken over, uh, this is a major, major turning point in the war that can really uh, turn the needle. So Khan Yunus is a, uh, a city in southern Gaza, and Sinwar is the guy who's kind of in charge of uh, the military operation of uh, Hamas in Gaza. So that's who he was talking about there. But yeah, the, the tunnels are a major challenge. We also have uh, Ilan Levy weighing in. Now, Ilan Levy, spokesman for the Israeli government in the October 7th war, former international media advisor to President Isaac Herzog, Keep calm and I'm Yisrael Kai. So, Ilan Levy, 
Here's what he had to say. UN agencies are currently struggling to distribute aid at the pace that Israel is inspecting it. That's why yesterday the Kerem Shalom crossing was closed at the request of the United Nations due to logistical constraints on the Gazan side of the crossing. And we hope that the UN will now do a better job of clearing that backlog. Unfortunately, to date, the UN aid mechanism in Gaza has been woefully unsuccessful because it goes through UNRWA. Aid simply isn't reaching the people who need it because Hamas hijacks it and UNRWA covers up for it. Not according to uh, Obama-Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who on November 22nd assured NBC Today shows Savannah Guthrie there are mechanisms in place to keep that from happening. And she put her stamp of approval and the stamp of approval on the August operation called NBC News on his lies by saying, all right, White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, all right. Outrageous. Okay, I told you um, a little bit earlier I was going to tell you why Hamas does what they do. It's a guy I follow on Twitter. Um, his name is Louis Anselm. And he worked for the United States State Department on Republican and Democrat administrations for 34 years. And he... Uh, he has a lot of wise observations, including why Hamas does what it does. And here's what he says. The war in the Middle East churns on. The Israeli invasion of Gaza seems to be going on in a very methodical way. Hamas is getting crushed. Good. I also notice again that this is despite the fact that Israel uses bombs which only land next to one of the 30,000 hospitals which apparently exist in Gaza and only kill children, journalists, poets, and women. Nobody else. So they might want to switch up their ammo supplier. I don't know if you noticed, but he's being sarcastic there. Because if you take the uh, the jihad propagandists, literally, that's what they believe. Anyway, Louis Anselm continues, saying, I have no doubt the Israelis can handle Hamas, Hezbollah, and any other threats in their neighborhood. I have less confidence in the ability of the West to do so. He says, I wrote years ago about this. The cause of Islamic so-called radicalization is not Guantanamo. It's not Western troops. It's not even women in short skirts. The radicalization, as the word radical makes clear, comes from the root of Islam, a book called the Quran. This basic text of Islam is held to be, quite literally, 
the precise word of Allah as revealed to Muhammad. No deviation is allowed or accepted. It is the final word, period. No further revelations follow. We see, therefore, the rage with which mainstream Islam treats the minority Islamic sect called Ahmadiyya, which purports to hold to subsequent so-called revelations that call for more compassion and understanding. He says, when I served in Pakistan, a major center of the Ahmadiyya faith, attacks on and killings of Ahmadis were common. Jews and Christians, likewise, come in for Islamic hatred and rage because they do not accept the Quran as the word of God or Muhammad as his prophet. Forcible conversion, slavery, and death serve as the prescribed remedies for this blasphemy. It is right there in the Quran, also known as the Book of Instructions on How to Be a Muslim. We see the streets of London, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Paris, Copenhagen, etc., taken over by frenzied anti-Semitic crowds, also known as Antifa, supporting Palestine. Could they find it on a map? Shouting from the river to the sea, calling for the slaughter of the Jews. All this as though creating yet another corrupt authoritarian Muslim nation would solve any problem. Thank you, universities. Many of those demonstrators would find themselves raped, tortured, and murdered precisely by the people they purport to support. I love the line from the march organizers that many Jews took part. I have doubts about how many Jews did take part, but let us not forget that the Nazis had their capos in the concentration camps, and they had what is called Juden rats outside, kind of like George Soros and his folks, helping the Nazis annihilate European Jewry. It's an ugly truth. Hamas, a mafia-like blood cult, wants to kill all Jews, including the Kapos, the Judenrats, and surprise, they also want to kill the Christians. They also want to kill LGBTQ, etc. people. They want to kill women in short skirts. They want to kill exchange students in Israel from Tanzania and Thailand and on and on and on and on. They have a long list. Hamas is just another manifestation of Islam's 1,400-year war on civilization. Anyhow, no ceasefire until Hamas is destroyed. Hezbollah should be next. It can be done. Well, give, give credit where it's due. Look at how Trump destroyed the ISIS caliphate in short order. 
He says, I have written before that Islam needs to suffer one devastating defeat after another before there is any chance of reform. It is going to be a long war. That is former uh, State Department diplomat for the United States, Louis Anselm. You can follow him over there on Twitter. His last name is spelled A-M-S-E-L-E-M. I was telling a friend of mine who doesn't want to mix it up with people he disagrees with on social media. I said, you know what? You don't have to. For free, you can get an account on Twitter, and unless Nikki Haley gets elected president, which is never going to happen, you can keep yourself anonymous, and you don't have to uh, interact with anybody. But, you know, it's just a good place to go to see what people are saying and to check on breaking news and, and that sort of thing. You don't have to interact with anybody. So, just a thought. Now, there's another guy I follow over there. Goes by the name of Hen Mazig. He's an Israeli author of the book, The Wrong Kind of Jew. One of his parents grew up as a Jew in Tunisia. The other one grew up as a Jew in Iraq. Of course, they're both refugees at this point. And Hin Mazig is the founder of the Tel Aviv Institute, which refers to itself as the future of combating hate. We uplift Jews and other marginalized groups and online through innovative social media-driven strategies. And he's been all over the mainstream media. So he says pro-Israel protests are not happening outside of mosques, Muslim community centers, schools, and businesses. Anti-Israel protests are happening outside of synagogues, Jewish community centers, Jewish schools, Jewish businesses, Jewish restaurants, and even Jewish homes. When protesting against the Israeli government means invading Jewish spaces and threatening Jewish lives, tell me again, tell me again, would you please, that anti-Zionism is not the same as anti-Semitism? Well, they can't tell you that, sir, because because it is the same thing. Han Mazig also says, I'm getting really tired of seeing people who were silent on October 7th suddenly caring about this war. He says there's a full picture here, cause and effect. If you choose to ignore one cause, for instance, you're intentionally revising history. To ignore Jews being attacked but being outraged when we defend ourselves is anti-Semitic. And I don't know if you've heard the last couple of audio podcast I did, but that is exactly what Candace Owens did. And then she went on the Tucker Carlson show and lied about it. She said nothing, nothing about October 7th. But within three days, October 10th, she was using Hamas talking points 
claiming that uh, Israel was committing Jewish, uh, genocide. Oh, yes, children. Oh, yes. And she's not the only one. Well, Tucker let her, let her get away with it. Now, I said a little bit earlier that the leader of Hamas has said, look, we're going to keep doing this, man. We're going to keep on doing October 7th over and over and over and over again. And I got some details in their plans about that coming up next on the Doc Washburn Show. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, He's expanded MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bed sheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bed sheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29. And twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once in a lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all-season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all-season Moccasin Slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slippers Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the general Mike Flynn silver coin and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. This beef is known as never ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive 
only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. So Hamas has said, look, October 7th is just a start. Going to do this over and over and over again. There's a guy named Mark Zell over there on Twitter. He's the vice president of Republicans Overseas and co-chair of Republicans Overseas Israel. He's an international lawyer. He says, the next massacre by Palestinian terrorists? Last night here in Gush Etzion, Israel, where my wife and I live and work, a group of Palestinian terrorists attempted to infiltrate into one of our villages. They succeeded in cutting through the perimeter fence, but were stopped by the local patrol before they could enter the village. It was a miracle that no one was murdered. This event will likely never be reported in the mainstream media in Israel or abroad. These attacks occur daily throughout Judea and Samaria, West Bank, the heartland of the Jewish people and the birthplace of Christianity. The enemy will not cease its efforts to reenact the slaughter of October 7th unless the terrorists are utterly defeated. If not, it's only a matter of time. Okay, so my question would be, since the terrorists were stopped by the local patrol, did the local patrol air them out? And by airing them out, I meant fill them full of lead. Because that's the only way you stop these people. You know, I have a really shocked a lot of people on social media when they say, I don't understand. How can people be this violent? How can people be this cruel? How can people be this brutal? The brutality is just something I can't wrap my mind around. And I go on social media and I respond. I say, sadly, the jihadist maniacal Jew hatred and the exhortations of violence towards so-called infidels come straight out of the Quran and other Islamic so-called holy books and they learn it from the cradle. What they do not learn is linear reasoning. They learn to hate the Jews and they learn that it is a good thing to kill non-Muslims, not just Jews, but the rest of us also. And until and unless we are willing to acknowledge and address this fact that the problem is Islam, nothing will ever change. Now, you may say, Doc, whoa, whoa, hey, hold on, man. I got a Muslim friend who's a nice guy and, you know, get along great. 
He doesn't believe in terrorism or jihad. Well, that's great, man. Not talk about your Muslim friend. I get along great with Muslims also as long as they don't take seriously the exhortations to commit violence against people that is in their so-called holy book. The problem is you never know. There's something called sudden jihad syndrome. We're all sudden in America or somewhere else. A Muslim snaps, and a guy who never made any problems for anyone all of a sudden decides he needs to start killing people. And invariably, when people who knew the guy are interviewed, they say different things. They'll say, um, well, you know, he always had some mental problems, you know. We hardly even knew him over at the mosque. Or some people might say, well, yeah, he was always quiet and nice guy and everything. Um, I'm shocked he would do this, although he had become more religious lately. I go, I go back to uh, Hen Mazig, the guy that wrote the book, The Wrong Kind of Jew. He said a rocket fired by Hamas struck a synagogue at a town in the Stat Negev Regional Council in southern Israel. Fortunately, no one was injured as all 40,000 residents of the area were evacuated after the atrocities committed in several of its communities by Hamas on October 7th. Israel is still being hit by rockets from two terrorist groups at the same time every single day. Each one is a war crime, and not a word of it is being reported in the mainstream media. Nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, Hamas is still holding, apparently, 129 hostages. The media talk about this at all? No. No. And the head of the International Committee of the Red Cross. Guess who she used to work for? That's right. She used to work for the UNRWA. Keeping it in the, all in the family, keeping it cozy, right? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Except over there, they don't call it the Red Cross. They call it the Red Crescent. So as not to uh, offend the Muslims. Big shout out and thank you to uh, Arsen Ostrovsky for that piece of information. International human rights lawyer and CEO over the uh, International Legal Forum. Hashtag bring them home. You know, I, I do this hashtag. I keep on forgetting to do the bring them home, but I do the hashtag never again is now. Never again is now. I, I keep on seeing um, stories about individuals who were at the music festival on October 7th and who would call home, say, hey, we're, we're on the run. We're trying to get out of here. It's crazy. They're shooting 
and then the phone goes dead, and they find the body a week or two later. Ah, it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's also enraging. Hamas must be annihilated. And all of their enablers must be annihilated. They must be terminated with extreme prejudice. This cannot be allowed to happen again. Absolutely, positively cannot be allowed to happen again. And you embarrass yourself by calling Israel fighting back, fighting for their uh, survival. You embarrass yourself by calling it genocide. You make it clear that you're either lying or you're an intellectual lightweight. I don't know which one Candace Owens is, maybe both. Maybe both. The great John R. Lott Jr., president of Crime Research, the guy who wrote the book More Guns, Less Crime back in the 90s, has uh, copied this viral video and retweeted it and said, police in London and now Toronto are ordering people to stop flying their country's flag because the so-called Palestinian supporters will be upset with those flags. Where is free speech? It is, is it just those who support terrorists who have free speech? Well, apparently so. Apparently so in the, the U.K., in Canada, apparently so. So, this guy named Shadi Hamid, Shadi Hamid, columnist and editorial board member of the Washington Post, out there on Twitter saying, yes, I do think this is the intellectual undercurrent behind much of the Aggressively pro-Israel sentiment, I see. The idea that the strong do what they can and the weak suffer as they must. He says, Palestinians and Arabs lost. They must accept defeat. The fact that they haven't is, for whatever reason, something that deeply offends. Now, the great A.G. Hamilton responds and says, thought more about this in this nonsensical rant diminishing Western values and removing all agency from so-called Palestinians, Shadi, completely by accident, actually got to the heart of the problem. The problem is that Palestinians have been convinced that despite continuing violence started by them, leading them nowhere. They don't have any responsibility to compromise and accept reality. That because they are, quote, oppressed, unquote, in the view of people like Shadi Hamid, they're entitled to total victory regardless of reality. This is what has led Palestinians to be unable to accept the reality of an Israeli state existing in that area. It is what has led Palestinian leaders to exploit the system, to steal, 
from Palestinians without taking any accountability for their circumstances. The Palestinians feel entitled to all of the land, and they keep being told that if they just persist, that is what they will eventually get. It's why random people in the U.S. who have never lived anywhere near Israel still talk about how the land was stolen from them, whereas every other set of refugees in history, especially those that resulted from losing a war, have moved on and adapted to the reality of their present circumstances. That's why the 900,000 Jews that were ethnically, easy for you to say, right? They were ethnically cleansed from Arab countries after 1948, don't spend their time focusing on how they got their payback slash compensation. But the Palestinian Arabs are still trapped in refugee camps, more focused on how they destroy Israel than how they create a prosperous society for their current generation. That's why a majority of Palestinians support terrorism against Jews and Israelis prior to October 7th or the response. It's why they support Hamas, despite Hamas not caring one bit about the actual state of the Palestinian people. So we will be stuck in the cycle until a leader like the late great Anwar Sadat of Egypt comes along and tells the Palestinian people that they must accept the reality of Israel's existence and then try to build a future within that reality. But there's no incentive for such a leader to come about when instead they can become billionaires by stealing never-ending aid and blame Israel for the continued poor circumstances of their own people, knowing the Washington Post editors will prop up that delusion and blame Israel at the cost of continuing cycles of violence and poverty for the Palestinian people. Well, that is certainly an interesting analysis. I chimed in about the fact that, as I said earlier on this episode of the Doc Washburn show podcast it is a religious problem with Hamas their so-called holy books tell them they have to uh, hate the Jews kill the infidels I'm looking at video right now from Christmas night of pro-Hamas protesters and New York police squaring off in New York City and fight breaking out. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. A lot worse before it gets better. Oh, did you hear what the uh, Pope Francis guy said? He went out there on Twitter on Christmas Day, said to say yes to the Prince of Peace then means saying no to war, to every war, to the very mindset of war an aimless voyage 
a defeat without victors, an inexcusable folly. To say no to war means saying no to weaponry. Oh, really? So you're going to give up your, uh, your private security there, uh, Pope Francis? Is that the deal? The great Bonchi, who writes over at Red State, says, This is such nonsense. The idea that God is always against war, even in the face of abject evil and aggression, ignores pretty much the entire Old Testament. Sure does, brother. It sure does. A.G. Hamilton also reminds us on the day after Christmas, silence over Hamas rejecting a temporary ceasefire for hostages and the Egypt proposal to end the war is telling. Look up almost any prominent ceasefire now advocate and you won't see a word about it. That's because they only care about one side ceasing the fire and it's not the side that started this war. That's why they don't see any contradiction holding ceasefire signs while chanting about globalizing the Intifada. That's also why they don't have any credibility with the pro-Israel side because people see them for what they are. Joel Pollack over at Breitbart commenting on article from the Times of Israel. The Houthis attacked a U.S. destroyer as well as commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Why are we waiting to attack a pathetic militia with easily identifiable weapons and little ability to respond? Coalition of the unwilling. Biden is weak. Now, I want to get back to the lies of National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, the fact that Hamas is diverting the aid. Um, so we have, uh, Tamar Messedin sharing the news over there on Twitter, according to Hamas leader, Musa Abu Marzouk, Palestinians deserve to stay, pardon me, Palestinians deserve to starve. Hamas leader Musa Abu Marzouk says, this is a quote, the aid that comes to Gaza must be distributed to the resistance fighters and what remains is to be distributed to the people. The attempt of some citizens to seize aid, as happened today in Rafah, will be fought with all force and the people must offer what is expensive and what is cheap for the sake of the resistance, not steal the food of the resistance. So according to Hamas, if you are a hungry Palestinian, you deserve to be shot. I responded to that tweet from Tamara Masudin, and I said this. Just a few weeks ago, Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan assured Today show the precautions were in place to make sure the assistance was going to civilians in Gaza. The YouTube video in which he said that has since been taken private. So, and of course the, uh, <laughs> of course, I'm not surprised at responses from people who seem intent on misunderstanding 
what I said, what the head of Hamas said. It goes on and on. Sometimes when I see these people cheering on Hamas and saying that uh, Israel is committing genocide, I just, uh, I'll type in something like jihad enthusiast weighs in. Because I just, I don't have time for this garbage. I really don't have time for this garbage. It's outrageous to me. All right, so the tweet of the day is brought to you by Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to, online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is from Isaac Shore, staff writer at Mediate, and he also writes for the New York Post. And he had an article out the day after Candace Owens appeared on Tucker Carlson's video interview. And he tweeted about it. So that's the tweet of the day. It's called The Shameful Nods to Anti-Semitism from Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson. And he says, Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson know exactly what they're doing. Over the past month, this is from November 16th, over the past month, anti-Semites of all stripes, emboldened by Hamas's barbaric attack on Israeli civilians, have made their presence among us known. They've celebrated Hamas's atrocities and committed their own fantasizing about the destruction of Israel, tearing down posters of abducted children and harassing their Jewish neighbors. Much of the overtly anti-Semitic rhetoric and action across the West has been situated on the left, and conservatives have rightly pointed out as much chalking up the deluge of hatred and wickedness on display to fallacious progressive theory. But there is a cohort on the right complicit in this great reawakening of an ancient evil. And that brings us back to Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson. The past few weeks have seen Candace Owens repeat a series of blood libels. In one breath, She's implied the Israeli government is committing a genocide against Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. In the next breath, she has submitted that Jerusalem's historic Muslim quarter, population 22,000 people, is a ghetto where the city's Muslims, population 350,000, are forced to live. After being called out on her ignorant smears by her Daily Wire colleague, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens responded on Twitter. She wrote, 
quoting the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthews, she wrote this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then she continued, you cannot serve both God and money. Christ is king. So because she got something egregiously wrong, she's claiming to be persecuted for being a Christian. Hasn't been too many years since she went on the Joe Rogan show and talked about how odd she thought it was that some people actually believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected. And, but now she says she's a Christian. But I haven't heard any explanation of how she went from being unbeliever to a believer. Anyway, Isaac Shore responds to what she said on Twitter by saying, and just like that, the mask clinging to her face by a thread fell off. Ben Shapiro, she argued, without evidence and hardly any plausible deniability, had forsaken righteousness for wealth. Is there a more textbook example of a charge of anti-Semitism? When Shapiro responded by reminding Candace Owens that she is welcome to stop taking a paycheck from their company if she feels like it's threatening her soul, Candace Owens hid behind her Bible verse. She said, you are utterly out of line for suggesting that I cannot quote biblical scripture and said Christ is king again. Well, he didn't say that, though, did he? Then, November 15th, Tucker Carlson released a fawning interview of Candace Owens in which both of them professed not to know why Ben Shapiro had criticized her in the first place. Pretty obvious why he did, but they acted like they didn't know. Tucker Carlson brought up the feud by playing the video of Ben Shapiro supposedly attacking Candace Owens, stripped of all context. When he asked her what might have inspired it, she insisted there isn't much of a background to it. Later, Tucker Carlson said that while he was horrified by Hamas's attack, he thought that the emotional response to it from some commentators was disproportionate. He went on to work himself up into a lather over some university donors, threatening a boycott over anti-Semitism on campus, protesting that they hadn't done the same for white people. Tucker said, if the biggest donors at, say, Harvard have decided, well, we're going to shut it down now, where were you the last 10 years when they were calling for white genocide? You were allowing this, and then I found myself really hating those people, actually. Tucker's performance followed weeks of downplaying the events in Israel and arguing against the provision of aid to Israel. Last month, talking about October, for example, he brought retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, a man who's accused the pro-Israel lobby of making American officials rich, to assert Israelis are attempting to inflict, inflict collective punishment on Gaza civilians through the perpetration of war crimes. Both Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson boast a deep understanding of their audiences. 
That's how they amassed such impressive audiences. They know that to keep the anti-Semites in their audiences on their side and attract more of them, they need not reference the ancient book, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, and alienate their more well-meaning followers. They need only wink at the bigots while hiding behind either counterfeit curiosity, Tucker Carlson, or even more shameful Christianity, Candace Owens, when they're held accountable for their thinly-veiled appeals to humanity's worst nature. Their ilk counts on people of good faith drawing distinctions between anti-Semites and those who cater to them. It's past time for the clear-eyed among us to cease affording them that luxury. Indeed, Candace Owens certainly was not persecuted for being a Christian. She was called out on her lies. There's a big difference. That is the tweet of the day from Isaac Shore, who writes the New York Post, called The Shameful Nods to Anti-Semitism from Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson. I would remind you, if you're a big Candace Owens fan, you need to go back and listen to the two podcasts, the two-parter that I did before this one, because she did not condemn what happened on October 7th. She lied about it, and Tucker Carlson let her get away with it. That's unfortunate. And that's Tweet of the Day, brought to you by Red River Auto. RedRiverAuto.com, great place to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV anywhere in America. All right, you've been listening to episode 418 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed in the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is, Wednesday, December 27th, 2023.